I'm going to start by uh, being a little uh, cathartic today. I got to get this off my chest. I want to preach with some integrity and purity of heart. And so here's the deal. A couple months ago, uh, I turned 50. Now that's not too young and that's not too old. It just is what it is. It's 50. No big people are like, we don't care. You're 50. Who cares? I turned 50. But one thing I'm getting nervous about, and some of you who are my elders, you might understand or relate to this, is man, the last few years, I've just been getting a bit grumpier. It gets easier to get grumpy. Like we got the term for the guys that get older, right? We call it the get off my lawn guy. And I always used to be so annoyed with the get off my lawn guy. But guess what I find myself if I'm not careful quickly becoming the get off my lawn guy. There's just things that are not big in life. Things that should not take any heart space from you that just really bother me nowadays. You guys have anything that you're not proud of it. It's not a big deal. But for some reason that we call them what pet peeves, right? They just really bother you. So I want to do this. I want to have a moment of church. I want to see how honest we're going to be in church today. Would you look at your neighbor real fast? Would you just say one thing that even if it's small, but to you, it's huge. It just bothers you. Go ahead and tell your neighbor real quick. Sorry, introverts, for making you do this. (laughs) You can sit this out if you need to, introverts. Ooh, there's, there's some good stuff I'm hearing. There's some band. I'm not alone. I love it. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a few off my chest just because I trust this place. I love you. I really think you love me. Let me just get it out. One thing is this, not a big deal at all, right? This is, this is you know, first world problems, but fast food just isn't fast anymore. I'm just going to say it. I, that, that's one thing, man. I used to, I have no more patience in a fast food line unless I have it in like two minutes. I'm just furious. I'm going all over the ways. If I was manager, I would change. Anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, this, is, this is universal for most of us. Any, anytime you're driving slow in the fast lane, you got to go. You know what I can, right? Like, or is it just me? Like, just move over. Just move over. Let us do what we got to do. Oh, this one, this is how I know I'm becoming the get off my lawn guy. Uh, This one has just been the last few years. I can no longer handle teenagers who trick or treat without costumes on. Don't do that anymore. Uh Uh-uh. And they don't even say trick or treat anymore. I open the door, there's some teenagers there, and I'm like, yes? And they're like, hey. I'm like, no. Literally, I'm at the point now where I'm like, go home, put a costume on, come back, ring my door, say trick or treat, earn that Snickers, son, or you're not getting it anymore. It's done. That's one that bothers me. This is probably my biggest of all of my lists that I made this weekend. Uh, Loud phone talkers in public. Stop. Stop, please. Right? We all don't need to know your business, right? Like I, I fly for a living. So I'm, I was on about a hundred flights last year. And for some reason, it's always the person at the airport. I sat next to, I kid you not, a guy a couple of weeks ago who had his little phone thing in his ear and he was having a staff meeting on the plane before we were about to take off. And I was sitting directly in front of him. And I'm like, dude, I don't care about your vision board for 2024 with you and your company. Then all of a sudden you got a call on the other line. He goes, just a minute, Dave, I got a call on the other line real quick. And I leaned back and I'm not proud of this. It's not pastoral, but I leaned back and I said, I hope it's self-awareness on the other line. And I just kept going because like I, I, it bothers me. Here's another one. People who skip in line. I'm just done with it. I'll call you out now. I used to never get involved with that stuff. Now I will say something if you skip in line. And then the last one, and then we'll get into God's word, but I'm going somewhere uh, with this. 
Uh, this one's gotten so big. In 2024, the cost of kids' sports is getting out of control. Can I get an amen from some of you parents? Here's the deal. If your kid's playing baseball in a seven-year-old league, he doesn't need to go on a weekend tournament to Phoenix. He's seven. There's some kids on the team still potty training. Knock it off. You play in your neighborhood, period. 35 bucks per player, give them a uniform, you play, because here's the deal, here's the statistic deal, none of our kids are going pro, write it down, take notes, challenge them to be good athletes, challenge them to give their best, challenge them to have a blast, none of y'all's kids are going pro, maybe statistically one of yours might go pro in here, but probably not, so just have fun and quit spending all that money on kids' sports, it's crazy, I need, see, I had to get that off my heart so I can preach with some purity. There's a lot of things, especially as we get a little bit older, if we are not careful, that will bother us more and more. But here's the one thing I want as we are in this prayer series, and I'm gonna preach today about the prayer of faith. Specifically, maybe a little bit the prayer of healing, but really the prayer of faith. There's one thing, if you're ever going to be a person who prays and prayer moves the hand of God and prayer develops the person you're supposed to be, you have to know this. You do not serve a get off my lawn God. You serve a God who absolutely, listen to this because it's counterintuitive, he loves to be bothered. We serve a God who doesn't get older and grumpier as time gets on. We serve a God that says, no, 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 no. You keep bothering me with whatever you're bothering me with because guess what? With God, it is not a bother. And this isn't my opinion. This is literally from the word of God. We're gonna go to Luke just to start building from that. Luke chapter 11, verses one through 10. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. It'll come up on the screens. It says this. One day Jesus was praying as he always did in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John has taught his disciples. And so Jesus said to them, okay, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said, you know what, though? I want to build on that. I want to make some, I want to give some heart behind the words. And so he does what he does always so brilliantly. He makes up a story. Now the story never happened, but it's completely full of truth, right? It's called a parable. So he says this, he said this to him. He says, all right, fellas, let me, let me put it this way. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight. This is already bothering me. (laughs) And you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, right? Don't what? Now, this whole parable is the opposite of how God's heart is. This is Jesus going, this is exactly the opposite of how I am. In other words, Jesus would say, no, even if it's at midnight and you need some bread, guess what? I'm the God who never runs out of bread and I'm the God who never sleeps and I'm the God who never slumbers. So guess what? Bother me all you want because that's exactly what I am here for. I am here to respond and act on your requests and prayers. This friend though says, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And then Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, which should be enough, listen to this though, yet because of your, write these two words down if you're a note taker, because I have used these words in my prayer life for the last five years, your shameless audacity. 
I love that. Because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This is Jesus saying, you know what's so powerful in prayer? You know what I'm giving every single one of you in this room permission to do when you pray? You just like a little kid, you come to me with shameless, no shame, shameless audacity. You be audacious in your prayers. He will surely give up, get up and give you as much as you need. So Jesus says, so I say to you, gentlemen, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now I have, as many of you know, because I talk about them a lot, I have four uh, kids. My oldest is 18. I have a 15-year-old. I have a 12-year-old. And then I've got an eight-year-old. So I've got a decade in between the oldest and the youngest. And there is a fundamental difference between how my oldest uh, interacts with me and my wife and how my youngest does. I want you to go back. Some of you have young kids, so you know what I'm talking about. But when my eight-year-old, his name's Cruz, when my eight-year-old Cruz comes to me asking for stuff, which is about every 10 minutes of every single day because he's eight years old, right? He doesn't think about his motives before he asks. He's shameless. He doesn't think about if it's a smart request or not. He doesn't think about my wife and I's convenience. He doesn't think about the bigger picture and how his request is gonna affect their family. He, with so much innocence and naivety, just keeps coming up about every 10 minutes every day asking for something else. He doesn't weigh if he's worthy or not. He doesn't think about any of that stuff. There's just this beautiful, now it's annoying to us sometimes, but this is what the whole parable is about. God saying, no, 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 no. I'm unlike earthly fathers, you will never bother me, even if it's every 10 minutes, right? Wasn't the apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 17 that said, pray continually? This is God going, no, church, come on. Bother me, I don't sleep, I don't slumber, I don't ever run out of resource. I want you, if it's a big prayer, if it's a small prayer, if it's an in-between prayer, you cast your cares on me. Why? Because I care for you. Now, my 18-year-old son, Jude, he's changed. He used to be the little kid that just asked for everything all the time, nonstop. He's 18 now. He's been around his father and mother a little bit more, right? He understands the ebbs and flows of requests. He understands a little bit more of our character and our nature and our habits. He knows what we say yes to a lot. He says we know uh, what we say no to a lot. So you know what uh, my 18-year-old son's become a lot more uh, in, in his old age? He's become more calculated with his parents. I wonder how many things my 18-year-old son no longer even wastes time asking us because he's been on the receiving end of plenty of no's in regards to what he's about to ask and just assumes that our character and our nature is no. I wonder how many things now him and my, my, my 15-year-old daughter, they just don't even mess with us anymore because they've just been there and done that. And, and Forest City, listen to me. This is the danger of us as we grow up and get older. Because the longer you walk with Jesus, the more knows you're going to be on the receiving end of, right? Because God always answers prayer. You don't have to worry about that. God answers prayer 100% of the time. Sometimes it's yes, right? Sometimes it's no. And sometimes it's not yet. But you are always having an answer to your prayer from God. But the more you've just lived, like I'm talking about you've just gotten older, you've spent more days on earth, the more you've been on some receiving end of the no's or the not yet's from God. And so if we're not careful, even though our faith is getting older compared to some people, sometimes uh, it can get more calculated. And we can start to overthink it. 
and we can start to question our motives and question our worthiness and question, wonder if, if God's going to do it. Well, he didn't do that last time, and, and I felt disappointed, and so I'm just going to back away this time, and God will be God. He's sovereign anyway, so I just won't bring this to God anymore. Do you know some of the most exciting people to be around is people that are new to the faith? I love being around new believers. You know why? Because there's that first love. It's like young married people, man. They haven't, they haven't been through enough yet. They haven't had enough of the trial and the, and, and the tribulations and the fire that come with a, a relationship. But even a good marriage always is gonna have trouble, right? And, and sometimes what that can do is it can whoop the first love out of you. And, and, and I've been there before and I'm sure I will have to fight that off again. But I, I wonder if there's any people in here today for a city that would say, man, I kind of find myself in that spot right now as far as my faith concerned. Some of that fire, some of that first love, man, it's kind of it's kind of drowned it out, and it's because life's just whooped me, man. It's got the best of me. And I've been praying and I've been trying to believe, but this season has been so much longer and more difficult than I ever planned on it being. And so I'm starting to wonder if this is even worth fighting for or praying about. But Jesus says, No, 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 no. You come to me with shameless audacity and you never give that up. And so I just wrote like three things in here that I've experienced over 25 some years of walking with Jesus. And things that have tried to not only attack my prayer life and my faith, but tried to destroy it. And the first one, and I've already mentioned it, it is this. And I think we all have to be careful with this. It's just feeling unworthy. One of the greatest ways to keep you out of prayer is to feel unworthy to come before a holy God and ask anything of him. But can I remind you, when you feel shame going into prayer, it is never the voice of God Shame is not a tool in the tool belt of God for our good. He does not leverage or use shame. That is the voice of the enemy. That is the voice of who the Bible calls your accuser, the who the Bible calls the thief that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So let me just remind you, every single one of us who calls ourselves by faith followers of Jesus, we are not worthy because of anything we have done or anything we have not done or anything in between. The whole foundation of our faith is it is not by works so that no man can boast. We are justified in here simply because we have put our faith in the goodness and grace and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He who knew no sin for a city, the Bible says, became sin for us. Why? So that we could become the righteousness of God. And if you by faith have received Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what kind of week or day or month or year you've had, you right now positionally are the righteousness of God. Therefore, Paul says, you are called sons and daughters adopted into the family of God with, this is good news, he says, the full rights of a, of, of a birth child, which means he goes on to say, you are co-heirs with Christ. You qualify the whole purpose of prayer in the first place isn't for the pristine, perfect follower of Jesus who is just so perfectly holy and has nothing broken and wrong in their life. That person wouldn't need prayer. But here's the truth. That's none of us on planet Earth. The gift of prayer is that you get to come to him confidently 
because of the righteousness Jesus bestowed on you because of his finished, sinless, innocent, divine blood that he shed on the cross for you, period. And that is always gotta be the motivation for with which you approach God and his throne of grace, right? Let's go back to the writer of Hebrews chapter four just to remind you of this. It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our, what, weaknesses, Every one of us walks in here with some degree of weakness, struggle, brokenness. We are saved in an instant, but we are being sanctified, changed from holy to holy, changed from the inside out. You're gonna do that till the day you breathe your last. You are finished when it comes to your position in Christ, but you are equally a work in progress when it comes to your sanctification in Christ. If you were waiting to be sanctified enough to feel confident in your prayer life before the Lord, you would hardly ever say a prayer to him. But Jesus just told us, no, you come to me like a little child for a city. You have shameless audacity. Because positionally, guess what? You are shameless. You do have a right to approach the throne of grace confidently. He says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but what? Was tempted in every way that we are. He knows your brokenness. He knows what's wanting to cause you shame in life. He knows some of your biggest struggles. He was tempted in every way that you and I were, yet was what? Without sin. Why? So he could give us our position back because of his payment. That's your position. He was without sin, and then here's the good news. So what's it say to us? Therefore, you can approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence to receive mercy in your time of need. Some of you, your prayer life has not been anything remotely close to what it's supposed to be and what it could be and what it should be. Like some of you are missing out maybe on some miracles. Some of you are missing out on some blessing. Some of you are missing out on some of the goodness of God that can only come through our personal time with him in prayer. And it's because you keep letting these voices of shame and you keep waiting to qualify and you keep waiting for your motives to be perfect. If we waited to serve and honor God for our motives to be perfect, none of us would do a thing for the Lord. Sometimes you just in faith go and trust that he's called you not because you're perfect, but because you're his. Second thing is this. This is a big one, man. I've been through this so many times. And this might be a few of you in here. Results fatigue. You guys know what I'm talking about? Been praying for that same kid to come back to Jesus for the last 10 years and you're just about over it. Like it's wearing you out. And you're just wanting to give up. But can I remind you what Galatians says, right? Do not grow weary, prayer warrior. In doing well, it says, for at the proper time, that's, that's not up to us, that's up to God, but at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you keep praying and you do not give up. I have been praying for some things for the last five years, some very specific things in my life. Just recently, I'm talking in about the last three or four months, have I finally start to see some breakthrough in the natural world, in the natural realm, from those prayers. I have been praying for five years. They are just now, some of them, starting to come to pass. And now that they are coming to pass, can I just tell you, I am so grateful that by the grace of God, even in my unworthiness or results fatigue, I just didn't quit praying. I was just like the friend that knocks on the door. God, I'm gonna keep knocking on the door at midnight and asking for this bread 
Because what I've been told is you don't sleep, you don't slumber, and you do not run out of bread for me. So I just kept praying and praying and praying. Now here's the beauty, because some of you, man, you're like, it's been years, but can, let me just tell you my story, hopefully encourage you. I look back now that God's answering some of those prayers that I've started five years ago, and it's so clear to me in retrospect, although year two, year three, I couldn't have seen this at all, that it was God's kindness that he didn't answer those prayers two years ago, three years ago. I couldn't have seen that then though because I was right in the middle of the difficulty, the struggle, right? Believing in prayer. But now I look back and going, I needed those five years so that when it was time for God to answer that prayer in the way that I was believing for, I now had enough learning, maturity, development, character and integrity so when he did answer those prayers those prayers would be a complete blessing to me instead of turning into idolatry for me like I don't understand nor do I feel pressure anymore to understand the sovereignty of God I worship the sovereignty of God I honor the sovereignty of God but there is so much mystery church behind God's timetable is there not and there is so much more freedom, especially in your prayer and in your faith life, when you just start to let God be God and you stay in your lane and let him be in his lane and you don't freak out about time frames and you don't let time frames and God taking longer than you would have liked start to wear you out. Few of you in here, that might be you right now. And I just came to challenge you today, do not give up in prayer. Do not give up in doing good, for at the proper time, you will, in the name of Jesus, reap a harvest if you just do not give up. The third one is this, and I think this is bigger than we like to admit in church, because this is, this is hard to admit, but it's, it's past disappointment with God. I'm not going to talk about any of y'all. I just know you're, you're human like me, and I've went through this more than once. Very few things have attacked my prayer life and my faith life more than when things in life don't turn out the way you were believing them to turn out. I helped start a church 20 years ago in Denver, Colorado. Got to be there for 15 years. It was the joy of my life. I've talked about it a little bit before. But in our first year, uh, about halfway into our first year, we had about 70 people that were coming to the church. Just a tiny little church. And we had one couple that was a young married. They had one daughter named Emily and they had just given birth to a son named Noah. And Noah was born with a disease that's so rare, they didn't even know for the first couple months what it was. And then when they found out, I'm not even gonna try and pronounce it because I, I, will, I will mess it up too bad. But this was our first chance as a young, new baby church to decide who we were gonna be when it came to this thing called faith. And we had already known what our value was when it came to prayer and prayers of healing and faith. We were gonna be a church that God, believes God still heals today, just like Forest City does. We're a church that's gonna be, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When Jesus came, everywhere he went, he went healing people and helping people and ministering to people. And we said, we're gonna be that church. And so baby Noah kind of became the, the poster kid for, for who we were gonna be as a church. And we rallied around this kid every Sunday, just like you guys do when you put names, just like we got to celebrate a, a beautiful healing of that child, Oakley. That's getting me excited again, just hearing about that. I'm so grateful Trevor read that testimony back to us. We wanted to be that kind of church that would have those kind of testimonies. So we were praying every week. Uh, Noah's parents never left the hospital for almost four months. 
They would go home and shower, get some food, and then come back for four months. And then we as the pastor staff and team and our wives, we would go and we would visit them as much as possible. We would pray every kind of possible prayer under the sun to God that he would heal baby Noah. And then long story short, about month four, all of a sudden baby Noah stopped breathing and lost his life. His mom, Adrian, had started a blog that had at one point about 200,000 people following her blog and who knows how many people reading it and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people praying for baby Noah's healing. Now, some of you will think this is a cop-out. I respect where you're coming from. I respectfully disagree, though. Baby Noah was healed. Baby Noah was healed. It just was on that side of eternity. Baby Noah is currently doing way better than all of us right now, right? Like he was healed, but it was not done the way we were told to pray for, the way we were believing for, and the way you hoped for. And as a young 30-something pastor with a brand new baby church, it destroyed me. Now, I played like I was cool. I played like a pastor and kept the faith and kept talking the right game. But I'm not lying to you, Four City, for a good four or five years, I did not have any faith to pray for people's miracles and people's. I would do it because I know how to pray. I know how to use the words. But who cares about the words when your heart is not connected to those words? And this makes me so righteously angry. It took me a good four to five years to get my faith back for believing in miracles and believing for praying prayers that minister to the church, praying prayers that help the church, praying prayers that are a blessing to the church, and most importantly, praying prayers that Jesus told us as a church to pray together for miracles. So some of you in here, man, and that's your story. Like, yeah, I know prayer's good. I know you just read a bunch of verses and you're talking a mean game about it, whatever. But man, I've had some profoundly disappointing moments with God where we gave everything and we put all of it out there. And it didn't end up happening the way that we had drawn it up and hoped for. Man, can I first just give you some grace and tell you, I really know that I know God understands how hard that is for us on this side of eternity. He's not mad at you. There's no shame in feeling that disappointment. There's no shame in feeling that disappointment. But what I hate is what the enemy comes in and does and starts to put so many voices of lies and accusations about God, doubts in your faith. And I just wonder, man, I don't want one person to miss out on a blessing or a miracle that is for them or their family or their friends or their community just because they got disappointed from God or because they feel unworthy or because you're starting to get a little tired today. So we're just gonna end this service by doing what the word of God asked the local church to do. This is James chapter five. And he ends by telling the church this. I love this. Is any one of you in here today in trouble? What's he say? Pray. Is anyone happy? I hope that's a lot of you. And sing songs of praise. Be happy. Don't apologize for your happiness. Embrace the happiness. Be grateful for the happiness. Let your happiness spread on some other people today. Is any one of you sick? Of course there is in a church this size, this room. Of course. Do what? Call members of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And it goes on to say this. And the prayer offered in what? Faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, this is what the church should be like. Confess your sins to each other. And here it is again. Pray for each other so that you 
may be healed. And then it just goes on to say, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And let me remind you, you are righteous more than you think right now if you are in Christ Jesus because your righteousness comes from his finished work, not your continued broken work. You qualify to pray prayers of faith. You qualify for shameless audacity. You qualify to come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy in your time of need. So if anybody in here right now and you're willing to be open and honest, and I'm gonna ask for a vulnerable, we had a a beautiful moment of vulnerability and honesty at the nine o'clock service and I'm believing for it again, but I'm just gonna put myself out there. I want us to minister to each other today as we leave this room. I want the last thing we do in church is to be what the word of God told us the church should be like. I don't want to lose it. I want us to pray for each other. The Bible says, Trevor mentioned it earlier, where two or three gather in my name, I am there. The healer is here in the midst of us. The miracle worker is here in the midst of us. Jesus would go on to say, as any one or two of you agree is touching any one thing together, it shall be done. I could pray a nice prayer at the end and wrap it up, but I do not feel like that's how we're supposed to wrap this up. I have a deep conviction and I've had it all week. And so again, I'm putting myself out there, but I know what kind of church this is. We're gonna pray for each other before we leave. If you're in here right now and are experiencing any kind of trouble, now that's vague. We're not telling your story. People gotta earn trust to hear your story. We're not even saying you're the reason you caused that trouble. It doesn't matter if it's self-inflicted trouble or outsourced trouble. If you have any kind, financial, relational, spiritual, vocational, if you have any kind of trouble and you need a breakthrough and you need a miracle, don't do it alone. Let us fight with you. Let us fight for you. Let us put our faith together and pray with you. But you gotta have some courage to be open and honest. So if that's you and you're in here and you're saying, man, I can use some prayers right now because there's some trouble that's come my way in life. Would you have the guts to stand up right now? Just go ahead. Don't wait. Just stand up. Be honest, man. You're the most courageous people in this room. Thank you. Look at this. This, Isn't this awesome? This awesome? The honesty? I love it. Bible also said if you're uh, sick, we need to call on the elders of the church to pray for the faithful heal the sick person and make them well, Right? We all have been given the authority in the church to pray prayers of healing over people. You know, there's not varsity and JV in this room. You understand that? You're all varsity because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You all are priests in the kingdom of Jesus Christ under the new covenant. You all are priests. You all have the right and the authority to get to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're in here right now and you're sick in body in any kind of way, chronic pain, any kind of disease, maybe today you just woke up and you're not feeling your best. Uh, maybe there's something wrong with uh, your nervous system. There's something wrong with ligaments, bones, anything. If that's you, would you stand up right now? You deserve to be prayed for. We wanna pray for you. Stand up, yes, thank you. And also would love to say I'm sorry for whatever pain you're going through, whatever sickness your body's going through. Now, I'm guessing the majority of you who aren't standing up right now, you're in the other category James talked about. You're in the happy category. And hey, that's a beautiful thing. But here's what I always say, and I'll never quit saying it. When you're blessed to be in that position in life, it's not just for selfish reasons. It's to be a blessing to others, right? We get an opportunity for those of us who didn't stand uh, right now, we're gonna pray for these people. 
anyone in your rows that are close to you, I'm just going to ask that you would go up to them. You can put an arm on their shoulder. You can give them a little Christian side hug, keep it appropriate, whatever it is, because uh, that doesn't matter. But we're going we're gonna to pray together. Look those people standing up in the eye. Ask them, hey, how can I pray for you? Not everyone's going to give you fully specifics because it might be a very vulnerable story. That's okay. God knows the story perfectly, so you don't have to. Some people might tell you the full story. That's wonderful. Now, I also realize some of you sitting down are going, oh boy, he just did this to me right now. I did not come to church for this. Listen to me. There's no junior varsity and varsity in the church. If this is out of your comfort zone and it's gonna be more of a distraction than a blessing to you, I just wanna ask that you sit in the presence of God. No shame. You're not less than because this is not something you're comfortable with. But we have a lot of believers who have been there and done this for a long time now and you just flat out know how to pray. We need your prayers right now. These people need your prayers right now. So we're gonna turn on some music and we are gonna make this for the next five minutes or so a house of prayer. Jesus said, my house will not be a den of robbers. My house will be a house of prayer for the healing of all nations. So we're just gonna obey our Savior today and watch him move on your behalf. So if everyone that's uh, feeling comfortable and ready to do some ministry that's sitting down, would you just find some of the people closest to you, go up to them, surround them, be an army for them, ask how you can pray, and let's start praying. Come on, church, let's go.